Today on Do Laws, Roe v. Wade has ended. What now? I'm Levi Bimba, and this is Do Laws. Before today's episode, we are seeing rampant inflation, we're seeing price increases, debt is becoming harder and harder to deal with, and it's harder and harder to build wealth. But there is a proven plan to get out of the situation that you're in if you're living paycheck to paycheck and struggling to kind of build that durable wealth that you would love to do for yourself and for your family, your grandchildren. So if you are wanting a plan that will definitely get you out of the situation that you're in, if you're ready to change your life really forever, if you continue on this plan, you will never regret it as my wife and I have not regretted it. Just contact me today for a free consultation at RamseyCoach.com slash coaching. I'll put it on the screen for you there and you can schedule a free consultation with me, Levi Bimba. We'll sit down on the phone or we can do a Zoom call and we can go through the situation that you're in and see if I'll be able able to be a good fit to help you get out of that financial uh, stress that you're in because you don't have to live in that financial stress at all. You You can actually build wealth for yourself, for your family, and be on a path to long-term durable success, financially speaking, so that you can be able to be a blessing to others. You'll be able to give uh, more money than you probably ever thought you would be able to and just be able to help out others or just uh, be a joy to your family. Take them on a big vacation to Disney World or on a cruise or some international trip. You can do all of these things once you have your financial house in order and you have a strong financial foundation and durable wealth durable wealth built. So just contact me again at RamseyCoach.com slash Financial Coaching for a free consultation today. So the big, big news over the weekend, obviously we all saw, if you were not living under a rock, is that Roe v. Wade, the decision that came down in 1973 to give women the right to kill their baby, which is what an abortion is, that was overturned by a 5-4 majority on June 24th, 2022. So there were riots, there were protests by uh, anti-lifers or pro-abortionists, however you want to look at it, over the weekend while pro-lifers, people like myself, celebrated and were thankful that God, uh, in his grace and his mercy, actually allowed this edict to come down to overturn this evil so-called right. And uh, even though it didn't completely overturn it and completely outlaw it as it ought to be, it still kind of limited it. And now it's going back to the states for each state to determine for itself what laws they want to have in place for the killing of babies, again, which is what an abortion is. So as of now, there's about 18 states out of the 15 that will outright uh, ban abortion or, or restrict it very severely. While there's still 32 states that are going to expand it, permit it, and even become sanctuary states, if you can believe that people are actually using that term for the sake of killing babies in the womb. But since 1973, there's been about 60 million plus babies that have been killed, vastly for the reason of convenience, not for health, not for uh, distraught, uh, women who are in distress, but sa- solely for the sake of convenience. Abortion has even become a form of birth control. Uh, and so that... Which is, why mo- which is why a lot of people are outraged with this decision, because now they are not going to be necessarily as easily uh, disconnected from the consequences that come from sexual immorality, which is what most, what, what most people are engaging in when they have abortions. Now, I know there are some married couples that engage in abortion, which doesn't make it any less uh, of an evil act, because you're still killing a child that really had uh, no, uh, through no fault of its own, was conceived by you. So there was no epidemic of women dying after giving birth or even dying while pregnant back in the early uh, 1970s. But Norma McCorvey, who was the Jane Roe, she had had two children already and was on her third child. And she wasn't married at the time. 
for any of these children and she just didn't want the third child. She didn't say anything about her health being at risk. She didn't say anything about how she was going to be in danger of dying or something tra tragic was going to happen. She just did not want to have a child. She was a very troubled child, really uh, unstable home. And just uh, uh, if you want to hear more about that history, and I talked about more about this the, the opinion that came that was leaked in early May. You can click up uh, in the left corner and I'll post it for you there. Since this decision has come down, uh, we hear people in the media talking about how women are being victimized by having to travel to other states to get an abortion as if they're the ones who are being killed and ripped apart within the body. Um, the demand for abortion pills has increased according to the New York Times since this decision has come down and now people are just looking for any possible way to kill babies within the womb. I mean, just think about how tragic uh, of a society that we are living in. Uh, America, who, that, who's, who was built on biblical principle, built on uh, freedom and, uh, and morality and, and biblical truth, which the Founding Fathers even said that this Constitution was only given for a moral and religious people, and, and definitely we are not moral or religious. And you can even argue that uh, most of its history probably wasn't, even with the, with, especially with the treatment of African slaves that came from overseas and how they treated them when they got here and even after slavery had been outlawed, was outlawed back in 1865. So you can say for most of its history, it's been really a, uh, an evil um, country regarding how, it's, how it treats image bearers of God, but depending on how they look or even where they're located, as in the case of abortion. But we, at the same time, we can be thankful for how God has used this nation to uh, spread his gospel, spread his truth, spread his light from not, not just here, but all over the world. And we can be thankful for that at the same time. And we don't need to necessarily be un, uh, unthankful for what God has used America for. We can just still be truthful about its history and about uh, how it has treated its citizens or non-citizens uh, uh, to that effect as well. But I want to read part of the dissenting opinion from Justices Elega, Elena Kagan, Stephen Bryant, and Sonia Sotomayor. Uh, just to give a few comments on what they did not agree with uh, regarding this uh, decision that came down. So that starts off by saying for half a century, Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood of Southeastern Pennsylvania versus Casey have pr protected the liberty and equality of women. Again, this is talking about protecting the liberty and equality of women to kill children in the womb. Roe held and Casey affirmed that the Constitution safeguards a woman's right to decide for herself whether to bear a child i.e. kill the baby. So again, they're using all this euphemistic language as if uh, we're, we don't know what we're talking about. Here. We're talking about actually killing children in the womb. Roe held and Casey affirmed and Casey reaffirmed that in the first stages of pregnancy, the government could not make that choice for women. The government could not control a woman's body or, or the course of a woman's life. It could not determine what the woman's future would be. Again, and these are people who should know better because they are supposed to be the best and brightest minds uh, within our country regarding the law. But when they're using language like the woman could, the, the, the government could not control a woman's body or the course of a woman's life, the government has always had that power. And even God has given it that power to control not just women's body, but men's bodies, because we can't just do whatever we want. There are certain restrictions on how we live in a uh, civilized and moral society. If we want to engage in murder and rape, the government has every right to come and restrict us, even put us to death for those kinds of uh, uh, for those kinds of transgressions, according to even Genesis 9, 6, as was the first law that God instituted after the flood. Uh, Who so sheddeth man's blood by man shall his blood be shed. So if you engage in murder, you deserve the death penalty, essentially is what that uh, passage of scripture was saying. 
till the government has always had control and should always have control over the bodies of men and women, especially regarding killing and, and murder. I think we can all, we should, should all be able to agree on that, but we don't, obviously. So the dissent continues. Uh, it says, it could not determine what the woman's future would be. Respecting a woman as an autonomous being and granting her full equality meant giving her substantial choice over this most personal and most consequential of all life decisions. And uh, that, so they're saying that we can't respect a woman as uh, image bearer of God, as somebody who is equal with us in society if we don't give her the right to kill her child, which is just completely backwards and really perverted thinking. And this is a classic case of Ephesians 4, 17, 18, 19 thinking where the people who are not in Christ, they're alienated from the life of God, they're darkened in their understanding, they're, they're, fu they're futile in their mind. And we're seeing it even in the brightest legal minds in America. Rowan Casey well understood the difficulty and divisiveness of, of the abortion issue. The court knew that Americans hold profoundly different views about the morality of terminating a pregnancy, even in its earliest stages. Casey and the court, uh, and the court recognized that the state has legitimate interest from the outset of pregnancy, from the outset of, of the pregnancy, in protecting the life of the fetus that may become a child. And I don't, again, that's language that is that's perverting the issue. A fetus is an actual person. Everybody who can, everybody who's listening to this, everybody who's watching this, everybody who is uh, who who has voted against uh, <laughs> against the babies being able to live, they have already been born, and they themselves were babies at one point in time. We all started as being conceived in the womb. Everybody came outside of a woman. The Bible makes that clear in Genesis one, and it reiterates that in the New Testament that all men are born of women. All women are born of a woman. Everybody comes from a womb. We were all children at the moment of conception, and we've seen the science bear that out over and over and over again. So, this court, so the court struck a balance, as it often does when values and goals compete. It held that the state could prohibit abortions after fetal viability so long as the ban contained exceptions to safeguard a woman's life or health. Remember, the, the woman's life and health are terms that are, could be completely misconstrued within broader society, but regarding actual life or death issues, Back to, their own, back to the Guttmacher's own statistics, 99% of these abortions that take place are done for the sake of convenience. It has nothing to do with health, nothing to do with the mother's life being at risk. It held that even before viability, the state could re regulate the abortion procedure in multiple and meaningful ways. But until the viability line was crossed, the court held a state could not impose a substantial obstacle on a woman's right to elect the procedure as she, not the government, thought proper in light of all the circumstances and complexities of her own life. We have to reason with biblical wisdom, going back to Romans 13, the government's main purpose is to uh, pr prosecute evildoers. And one of the most evil things you can do is kill somebody. The most evil thing you can do is kill somebody who is innocent. And so the government has every right to get involved in somebody who was quote unquote electing the procedure to kill a child and they ought to get involved which again is really a major criticism of this Roe v. Wade being, decision being overturned, is that it doesn't completely outlaw it. It just says each state can decide for itself whether or not to kill children in the womb. But today the court holds that balance. It says that from the very moment, now listen to this, this, this is very hyperbolic, very, this, is, this is emotional reasoning. Uh, this is not legal, rational uh, understanding of, of law. This is complete... Um, in my opinion, this is just emotional reaction. This is not logical, rational, moral thinking. It says that from the very moment of fertilization, a woman has no rights to speak of. 
And when I read that, I'm thinking, how in the world could three people that are way smarter than me, way more intelligent on the law than me, can, co can come to that kind of conclusion in their dissent? That a woman has no rights to speak of from the moment of fertilization, as if women don't have the ability to choose, again, who they sleep with, who they engage in intercourse with, and who they uh, commit themselves to in marriage, hopefully, if they do that, as would be the right thing to do. Uh, and everybody knows, again, everybody knows where babies come from. It comes from sexual intercourse, whether that's through fornication, whether that's just through uh, a, a, a husband and wife showing love to one another and producing a child. We all know that a baby comes from sexual intercourse and even through rape. And again, I think I, I, as the Bible has says, I, and I agree with if you are a rapist, I think all rapists should be killed and put to death because that is violating a very sensitive part of who a woman is. And so if you're engaged in raping a woman, I think you should get the death sentence. But the baby shouldn't get the death sentence for, for, the, for the sin of the rapist. The rapist should be put to death for his own sin and the baby should get to live, whether through adoption or, or the, the victim, the, you know, the mother in that case, uh, being able to overcome the, tra the trauma and, and raise a child, which a lot of women, thank God, have been able to do by, by God's grace. So we don't punish children for the for the sake of the, the rapist. And so to say that the woman has no rights because we're not going to say that you no longer can kill the child that you willingly or um, engaging in behavior that led to the child's life. We're not going to take that right away from you. And, and to pretend as if that's something that will strip a woman of all rights in society whatsoever is just completely emotional reaction has nothing to do with good legal reasoning at all. They continue and say a state can force her to bring a pregnancy to term even at the steepest personal and familial cost. An abortion restriction the majority holds is permissible whenever rational, the lowest level of scrutiny known to the law. And because, as the court has often stated, protecting fetal life is rational, states will, free, will, will feel free to enact all manner of restrictions. The, Missis, the Mississippi law at issue here bars abortions after the 15th week of pregnancy. Under the majority's ruling, though, another state's law could do so after 10 weeks or five, or three, or one, or again, from the moment of fertilization, which again is right, because the moment of fertilization, you have a completely distinct whole human being who is now beginning to develop and grow. Just like I have still been developing and growing at 30 years of age, I'm still growing, I'm still getting older every day, moment by moment, from the time I was conceived to this very moment, I've been changing and growing every single day. So size does not determine how whether or not we should kill you. Your level of development doesn't determine how, whether or not we should, we should kill you. Your, your environment or location doesn't determine whether or not we should, we should kill you. And definitely your degree of dependency doesn't determine whether or not we should kill you because my son still depends on us to, to feed him and clothe him and care, him, care for him every day. He's one and a half years old now. But just because he's smaller than us or as dependable on us doesn't mean that we have the right to kill him. When, he, when we get mad at him, that, and that, that would be foolish, that would be evil. They continue in saying that states have already passed some laws in the anticipation of today's ruling, more will follow. Some states have enacted laws extending to all forms of abortion procedure, including taking medication in one's home, which is where the abortion pills comes, comes into play. And now people are knowingly are pursuing pills that could kill the children within their wombs, which is really a, a, just a devastating thing. And, and that women of all people are going along with this is, is tragic. They have passed laws without any exception for when the woman is the victim of rape or incest. And again, if you are a victim of rape or incest, it is a terrible tragedy. It is evil. It is wicked for people to rape. It is evil and wicked, evil and wicked for people to commit incest. I mean, that is, again, and, and if they do commit that crime, they deserve death. They deserve to be put down. That is the standard of God's law. I think we should preach the gospel to them. We should give them a chance to repent of their sin and trust in Christ. But 
consequentially, they should be put to death. And because that is, it's just that evil and wicked. And that really deters them, at least, from committing rape and incest again. And it should bring fear on the rest of people who would be tempted to, to do the same thing. So it continues, under those laws, a woman will have to bear her rapist child or a young girl, her father's, no matter if doing so will destroy her life. And as tragic as that is, I, I, I hope it wouldn't destroy her life. I hope it wouldn't be uh, something that would completely mess, you know, mess her up mentally, emotionally uh, to raise this child that was a product of rape. And I'm not saying that's something easy. I don't, I'm not going to pretend as if she just needs to get over her rape and raise a child. I'm not pretending it's going to be that easy. But again, are we going to punish children for the sins of other people? I think, I think that's evil and that's wicked. And according to Ezekiel 18, that is not the way we practice law. And even Deuteronomy, when God gave the law, that was not right to do, to put children to death for the sin of the parents. So too, after today's ruling, some states may compel women to carry to term a fetus with severe physical, abner uh, uh, severe physical anomalies. For example, one afflicted with Tay-Sachs disease, sure to die within a few years of birth. And again, this is where you see the, the demonic reasoning going in. So if we are we're going to, quote unquote, force women who are already willingly engaging in sexual intercourse uh, and getting pregnant, we're going to, quote unquote, force them to not kill their child, which means just allow the child to develop naturally and not kill it for the sake of convenience. But more than that, if we see the child with some kind of deformity or some kind of disease, then we need to kill the child, which, again, if you put that reasoning with a two year old child, if you have a two year old child who has Down syndrome or who has cancer, should the parents within their own home be able just to go and kill the child or even with the, assist the assistance of a doctor to be able to kill the child because this child is, is going to die sometime soon? That's evil reasoning. That's demonic reasoning. That's what you call um, sensual uh, devilish reasoning that, that James uh, chapter 3 talks about. So states may even argue that a prohibition on abortion need make no provision for protecting a woman from risk of death or physical harm. Again, which is wrong. If the woman is going to die which is in one instance is called ectopic pregnancy where the, I think the, the egg implants itself into the fallopian tube and if it continues to grow there and it could explode and the woman could bleed out and the baby dies so they both would die so in that instance I think a doctor has every right to go in and uh, cease the pregnancy there to save the woman's life because her life actually is at risk and not in the terms of her life is going to be changed forever therefore we need to kill the baby, as is the number one excuse for the Gutmarker Institute study regarding abortion. But this woman's life actually, she will actually die. She'll cease to exist in this world if this pregnancy goes forward. So we take the life of the, of the child that was going to die uh, inside, the inside the mother and kill the mother as well. So we take, that, we take that child's life and save the mother's life. And I think that's a reasonable understanding and the best we can do in the fallen world that we are living in. So states understand that, and a lot of states understand that predicament. Across a vast array of circumstances, the state will be able to impose its moral choice on a woman and coerce her to give birth to a child. And they're, so they're saying that the state should not be able to impose its moral choice on a woman and coerce her to give birth to a child. When the government, Roe versus, Roe versus Wade, is, that's, has what has been happening for 50 years. They, the government has, import, has imposed its moral choice on people in different states that did not agree with killing children. So that was the government's moral choice, and now they're getting upset that the state will now have its own moral choice to impose on its citizens. It's just completely backwards, contradictory thinking. And again, I'm not a smart guy when it comes to this stuff. These people are way smarter than me, but when it comes to the objective thinking of the law of God, 
This is why the Bible says you have more understanding than your teacher, than, than elders, when you understand just basic biblical principle, because God's law stands supreme over the legal reasonings of even the brightest people in a society. So I want to continue to look at some of the reaction <clears throat> from another, um, uh, from a lawyer, a famous lawyer, Gloria Allred, who is a famed lawyer known for high profile lawsuits and really representing women's rights and representing people who would uh, love to continue to kill children. So she's been do doing this for 40 years. She even worked with Norma Corvey in the late 80s. Um, I couldn't really find what, exactly how she worked with her, but she, she apparently had represented her in something in some case, but not in the original uh, Roe versus Wade case. So I want to play a clip of her reacting on CNN and, and, and interact with that. It's almost hard to believe that this has happened. I think it's still being digested by uh, millions of uh, women across this country. Talk to me about how you're feeling right now about all this. Uh, well, I'm feeling outraged. This is a, an unprecedented uh, deprivation of women's rights. So she talks about how this is an unprecedented deprivation of women's rights. And again, that we're talking about the right to kill a baby. And I'm glad that the world understands that what, what a woman is, because we all know women are the ones who can give birth, uh, grow children within their wombs, and they have all the, the genitalia God has given them to produce children. And so we're thankful that the world actually does know what a woman is. We don't need to tell them. They just suppress the truth when it's convenient and then allow the truth to come to the surface when it's convenient for them. And obviously not every woman does, and that does not take away from uh, God's image being uh, born in them. Uh, it's just as we're living in the fallen world, some women are barren and some women are, are fruitful. So she, but she says, depriving women of this right, this is a huge deprivation of, of a right for a woman. And again, this is not, <laughs> we're talking about killing children. So we're not going to allow women to kill their children. That is a good thing. That is something that ought to be done. But she continues in her, uh, in her reaction here. Uh, it is uh, not only dangerous, it is a decision that is going to have an impact on every woman and girl in this country. So she says this decision will have an impact on every woman and girl in this country, which again, this is only dealing with people, women, not all women are engaging in sexual intercourse frequently with different partners and, and increasing their chance of pregnancy. Not every woman is out there doing, living in that kind of behavior. We have good Christian women, millions of them in this country who are living a pure lifestyle, trying to do what's right and waiting for marriage to engage in sexual intercourse to bring children forth to raise and love and care and keep them and not uh, kill them for the sake of career or convenience. So not every woman in this country will be under this, will, will have this kind of just evil reaction to this overturning of Roe v. Wade. So, but she continues here. Because it is going to lead to a slippery slope beyond the fact that women are not only deprived of legal and safe abortions, and must either travel to a haven state or a sanctuary state like California, where I am, or New York, where I will be in a couple of days. And you hear her use the term that California and New York will be sanctuary states and women are going to have to travel there and, and seek abortions. When you look at the term sanctuary, this is dealing with things that are holy, that are pristine, that are things that are, should be, things that are sacred, that are set apart really from the normal uh, normal society because we look at these things as holy. You know, when you think of sanctuary, say you think of church, you think of holiness, you think of God even when you hear the word sanctuary. But people are wanting to use sanctuary as a term to protect the right to kill children. We need to have places in this country where you can freely go kill your child and have no remorse, have no bad consequences come from it. And this is 
the demonic thinking of the world that Ephesians 4 talks about, that James 3 talks about when you don't have a right view of God and a right view of understanding what right and wrong are. This is the kind of thinking that leads you to think that holiness is actually killing children. She also goes on to talk about how women will be forced in mandatory motherhood, which again, 99% of abortions are people who are willingly engaged in intercourse and are willingly killing their children. Um, so it, it's just completely, um, completely backward thinking. But again, this is, this is the state of every person who has not put their faith in Christ. Everybody who does not uh, have an understanding of God's law, of, of God's truth. We all have def defective demonic thinking before we come to Christ because we want to go our own way, do our own thing, and we will rationalize, we will completely reject anything that could come against the way we like to think, the way we like to live, because that's how we are in our natural state. So she also finished off the clip by talking about how uh, men are making decisions for women's bodies when again the roe v wade decision was made by all men but nobody complained that all men were making that decision when it came down but all men are but mostly men that are making this decision now all of a sudden it's a terrible thing it's just completely con contradictory thinking but we don't have to i don't have to meet every liar in the world to know that lying is wrong i don't have to meet every rapist in the world to know that raping is wrong i don't have to meet every woman in the country or in the world to know that ab abortion is wrong in every instance again uh, even the most tragic of circumstances when it comes to raping and incest, the rapist should be put to death. The, the incest, the person who committed the incest, the father on the daughter or the uncle or the grandfather, whoever it would be, they deserve to be put to death because it is an evil thing to rape a woman. It's terrible and it should be dealt with severely and swiftly. There should be given no, uh, no, no mercy in that, in that circumstance because God didn't even give mercy to his own people if they were guilty of committing rape. In the Old Testament. So our consciousness tell us that these things are wrong and the Bible more importantly it tells us that uh, committing murder is wrong especially of children. So what do we do now? What, do, what should we do that now uh, this uh, edict has been overturned? Well Dr. George Grant who was a pastor of uh, Parish Presbyterian Church in Franklin Tennessee he wrote a helpful article uh, that was posted on Ligonier.org and he starts off by saying circumstances change Laws, courts, and administrations come and go. Elections raise up and cast down the mighty. Popular opinion waxes and wanes. But through it all, the callings and responsibilities of Christians in this poor, fallen world remain the same. Taking our stand for life wasn't first thrust upon us by the U.S. Supreme Court's decision in 1973, and we are not relieved of that duty by its now overturning this year. The pro-life movement is not a recent phenomenon, phenomenon or innovation. Rather, it is 2,000 years old. It was inaugurated on an old rugged cross on a hill called Calvary. It is best known as Christianity. Caring for the helpless, the, the deprived, and the unwanted is not simply what we do. It is who we are. It, it always has been. It always will be. So the killing of children is not a new thing. This is something that the church has been fighting, like he says, for 2,000 years, especially the pagan cults. Uh, even back in ancient Israel, you'd say over, you know, uh, 5,000, uh, 4,400 years ago, uh, 4,000, 3,000 years ago, I would say, uh, they were fighting this. There was to be a beacon of truth and light amongst the pagan regions of the world. So they were, they've always been fighting. Uh, people who have known God truly have always been fighting against uh, those who would want to kill children and, and sacrifice them and, and do all manner of evil against them. So um, he continues and says, sadly at the fall, mankind was suddenly destined for death. We were, all, we were all at that moment bound into a covenant with death. 
There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death, is what Proverbs 14, 12 says. So he says, it is, no one, it is no wonder then that abortion, infanticide, exposure, and abandonment have always been a common part of fallen human relations. Since the fall, men have contrived ingenious diversions to satisfy their depraved passions. And child killing has always been chief among them. Virtually every culture in antiquity was stained with the blood of innocent children. Unwanted infants in ancient Rome were abandoned outside the city walls to die of exposure or from attacks by wild foraging beasts. Greeks often gave their pregnant women harsh doses of herbal or medicinal abortifacients. Persians developed highly sophisticated surgical curate procedures. Primitive, primitive Canaanites threw their children onto great flaming pyres as a sacrifice to their god Moloch. Egyptians disposed of their unwanted children by disemboweling and dismembering them shortly after birth. Their collagen was then ritually harvested for the manufacture of cosmetic creams. None of the great minds of the ancient world, from Plato and Aristotle to Seneca and Quintilian, from Pythagoras and, and Aristophanes to Livy and Cicero, from Herodotus and Thucydides to Plutarch, to Plutarch and Euripides, if I can even say it, despairs child killing in any way. In fact, most of them recommended it. They callously discussed its various methods and procedures. They casually debated its sundry legal ramifications. They blindly tossed lives like dice. Indeed, abortion, infanticide, exposure, and abandonment were so much a part of human societies that they provided the primary literary leitmotif in popular traditions, stories, myths, fables, and legends from Romulus and Remus to Oedipus, Poseidon, Asclepius, Asclepius, Hephaestus, and Sybil. But thanks be to God, the God who is the giver of life, the fountain of life, the defender of life, the prince of life, and the restorer of life, did not leave men to languish hopelessly in the clutches of sin and death. He not only sent us the message of life and the words of life, but he also sent us the light of life as well. His, he sent us his only begotten son, the life of the world, to break the bonds of death. Jesus tasted death for everyone, Hebrews 2.9, actually abolishing death for our sake, 2 Timothy 1.10, and offering us new life, John 5.21. So that is the good news of the gospel. That is the good news that Christ, in a world that is so evil and sinful as to kill its own children, God and, and Christ came into the world, died on the cross to, for the sin of all those who would believe, even those who engaged in baby killing. Uh, for ritualistic practices or even for for cream as uh, he mentioned one of these ancient societies did but god in christ came into the world died on the cross took the punishment for sin away from all those who would believe in him so that we would have life so that we would have peace with god and that is the good news of the gospel that is, that is the kindness of god can you imagine a god who is so holy so righteous so just to want to kill uh, people who are engaging in sin but withholding his wrath withholding his just wrath and placing all of that wrath on his son so that we can have peace with him and be reconciled back with him purely by his grace. Not because we're, there's anything good in us, but because of it, only because of his love and his grace and his mercy that he has given to us. So uh, Dr. Grant finishes by saying, so after all, what what's our job now? It is the same as always. We must be gospel advocates of all that is right and good and true. We must care for the poor, the hurting and the marginalized. We must speak the truth in love. We must remind our magistrates of their re responsibilities. We must disciple. We must be unflinching in the proclamation of the good news, which changes everything. Our intercessions and labors must be unceasing. 
Our local crisis pregnancy centers need our support like never before. Our pulpits need to ring out with practical, pastoral, and prophetic urgency like never before. And we need to remember God's glorious promise like never before. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert, Isaiah 43, 19. So what do we do now? Like he says, we continue to pray. We continue to be gospel advocates. We continue to donate money, donate time, helping women who will be in need. Uh, we continue to support our local crisis pregnancy centers, even as they are under attack, as we've seen more and more people that are attacking these places that are trying to help women and calling them fake women's health facilities, which is exactly what an abortion is. <laughs> an abortion facility is it is a fake women's health facility. It's, just, it's in a, place, a place of death for babies. So we have to just continue to be faithful in what God has called us to do, calling out the evil in the world and standing for what is right without apology, without shame, which is what this podcast really is, is was built for and was made for. Uh, I wanted to speak the truth in love and speak it in a way that is biblical, that is sound, and that is understandable and reasonable. And ultimately, it brings glory to God because this is not my truth. It's not some truth I heard from some other person that I'm trying to represent. All I'm trying to do is be faithful to God's word, be faithful to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and, and, and share his truth with the world. So that is what we do post row. We don't make fun of them. People who want to kill babies, we don't, we don't make fun of them. We pray for them, and we hope that they come to repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So thank you for listening today, and I will see you on the next episode of Do Loss.